What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the final episode of the regular season of Not Another Football Podcast. I'm here with my boys, Mike, JP. How are you guys doing today? Oh, we're doing all right today. We're doing all right today. I've had a little, my stomach's been a little off today. I feel like I ate something that didn't sit quite right. But other than that, doing real well. Happy to be here. Excited to get a get some time with y'all. Miss you guys. Yeah. I mean, we have the three amigos. They ride again. So we're back to a full staff this week, um, which we cannot say about a lot of teams in the NFL right now. Um, but no, it's good. It's oh. it's <laughs> it's good to have the whole gang back together and to wrap up this regular season. It was it was a doozy of a regular season. Sure was. It was. JP, you're looking like you're part of that coaching staff at Carolina. I love this. I love this quarter zip. It's no, it's, it's phenomenal. Right. You know the respect that I have for quarter zips, and I oh, gotta no. say, your quarter zip game is on point right now. You know, we we did we. I've seen you wear quarter zips to weddings, so damn right. Now, Greg, I know you got a question of the week for us. What you got? So, with the end of the regular season here, it just kind of made me think, um, feeling all nostalgic and whatnot. Uh, what has been your guys's? I guess I'll say either favorite game, best game, best moment. Um, any highlight for you that has stuck out um, for the regular season? For me, um, I'll, I'll start it off, and I'm going with – it's kind of a two-for-one best highlight and best game for me would be the uh, Buffalo and Vikings game that they played. Um, the last – you know, that fourth quarter was crazy um, from the Justin Jefferson catch. To me, that became like the catch of the year, one of the best catches I've ever seen, to how Minnesota won that game and. Uh, push it to overtime and then end up winning in overtime. So uh, that was the highlight of the season for me. Uh, such a great game. Uh, it, it'll take me a couple of weeks to, to truly process the the season. So my, my, my takes will evolve um, and I'll put that disclaimer out there, but I have to kind of go on the other side of the Vikings uh, for their uh, 33 point uh, game losing collapse. I, I can't imagine um, what they must've felt during that game, but uh, if I have to think of one moment off the top of the head that really just stands out to me that season, it's it's that kind of epic epic collapse. It has seemed to have been a season for epic fourth quarter collapses. So hoping uh, that's not a playoff uh, indication for the playoffs. JP, what about you? What did you find? Oh, there's so many fourth quarter collapses to think of. Just so so many. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give you two real quick. So I'm gonna give you one Panthers related, one non Panthers related. Favorite moment was. The non-Panthers-related moment would have to be the end of the Patriots-Raiders game, watching that dirty player Mac Jones get stiffed-armed into the nether realm by Chandler Jones, and that is how they lose the game. That brought me a lot of joy. Um, Something that brought me joy in the moment, Panthers-related, but didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, was the the game-tying touchdown, the 62-yard touchdown pass, the DJ Moore caught where he got penalized for taking off his helmet. I don't care. We can argue about the penalty till the cows come home. That was just a really cool moment to see, particularly in a season that did not have a lot of offensive highlights. So for me, that was my one thing. I was like, you know what? That was, it makes me realize why we extended him and why we just need to get him a quarterback. Yeah. I thought it was a really good penalty that they called on that one. Just right by the book. Um, I appreciate when I see good officiating. I really do. I have that was seventeen hard to come by this year too. I think I have like seventeen points I can make, but I'll just end up losing them all, and it's it's not worth it. 
it's okay because uh, the Ravens are still in the playoffs. So I'll take it. Fourth quarter collapses and all, I'll still take it. And and you know what's funny? The only person that's still talking about that is is JP, and everyone else is talking about the other terrible things that have happened in the year. And that was like Mike said, the Colts uh, choosing to hire a, a complete. I don't want to call him a nobody, but a, a non-coach off of ESPN. Uh, and then the Raiders losing to him in the first week. And then the Colts blowing a 33-point lead. And and then what you just talked about with the the uh, Patriots losing on freaking the laterals. So, uh, man, I'm just so grateful that uh, other teams have done dumber things than what the Ravens have done. Although Ravens have done it like four times this year. So I, I, I will know. say – I will say – Y'all, y'all got me twisted again just because I said that there were so many fourth quarter collapses. Did not mean did I say that it was all the Ravens that I was talking about? No, because no, but we have at least like twelve episodes worth of content of you just roasting them. True, 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 true. However, I was talking also about how the Raiders actually ended up giving up more double digit leads in the fourth quarter uh, than the Ra- than the Ravens. Also, the collapses that happened in Buffalo, the collapses that happened all over the place. So there was a myriad of things. I'm I'm an agent of chaos. I love chaos. Yeah, an agent of, of chaos. But I think the most chaotic thing that happened this year was a team losing the number one overall pick by deciding to be a little too good. And I think that's, to me, the agent of chaos for this whole season. Ah, uh, Well, Mike, you've, d- you've done something there that's quite beautiful. Because now it's time to get into league news, boys. And let's go straight to that. Actually, you know what? There's something more important, more serious, a little bit more of a serious tone, an update. Um, last week, Mike and I updated you all after the unfortunate tragedy that almost occurred, um, but thankfully has been averted with DeMar Hamlin. We have an update. Um, news out of Cincinnati today is that he has been released from the hospital and is now traveling back to the Buffalo area. Um, one thing I will say real quick before we move on to anything else, it is both a a blessing to know that he is alive and well and on the road to recovery. He has all of his mental faculties. He was able to actually FaceTime in and talk to the team after their win against the Patriots this Sunday. Um, the The downside of it is the reality of his contract, which people are praising the NFL, um, which I don't think that they deserve praise for this because this should be standard in every contract. But DeMar Hamlin was put on IR as a result of his injury, and per his contract, if he, when he was designated to go to IR, he would be receiving about 40% less of his salary because he was designated for IR. Um, however, the league and the NFLPA are worked together to guarantee him the full total of his salary. Um, but it's just kind of a weird thing that we've seen so many disruptive and disgusting injuries happen this year. Um, some people ending their careers, yet they will never be truly compensated in the most fair manner. Um, fellows, I would love for you, if you have any comments on this, to please hop in. Yeah, uh, just because I wasn't here last week, I'll just say something real fast. And um, I think it's awesome that it turned out to be positive because for just that whole night, it was just terrible news in uh, such a terrible sight. So n- here we are a week later and uh, we're getting this news that he's, he's been released. And as of right now, he's, he's, 
I don't, I don't know what the right word is Pat passed all the tests. Like from when he flew back from Buffalo, uh, everything seemed to be checked, checked out his lungs, his breathing, everything seemed to be fine. So I, I just hope his progress just continues to go and, um, you know, not even just for football, but he's able to just continue life healthy. That's that's so that's such a good point, and it, it we really have to give another shout out to the the training staff that were able to implement um, their uh, their protocols and save him. I mean, how many times um, after have we seen a news report talking about every minute or every uh, x number of seconds of play, uh, somebody is not receiving CPR is damaged for uh, internally, and so it's just their their quick their quick actions really um, help this outcome be as good as it as it was. But I think it's easy to echo what you guys are saying about um, both the NFL finally doing the right, well, the NFL making the right decision here, but also opening, begging the question of, well, then why don't we just fully guarantee all contracts? So things like this don't occur in the future where you get a cheap PR look when in reality, there are other players who are experiencing other season ending injuries who would have, who would do better to have something like this uh, backing them as well. And they are the only major league sport in America that does not offer fully guaranteed contracts. Um, so another thing to add. And as we that. and as we saw this season, it's gonna be it's gonna be a while before they can adopt that in a, in a way that that benefits both sides, and it's it's gonna be a mess unnecessarily. But instead of sitting down to talk about it at an owners' meeting, you know they'll just be reviewing how to make officiating worse instead. So hoping the off season will be a little bit different there. Yeah. So Mike, you you touched on. You touched on Houston and uh, just because it's super corny, but I'm going to say it anyways, Houston, we have a problem and this is back to back years. Actually, I think this is the fourth coach in four years is what I heard. And Lovey Smith was fired yesterday after the game. Didn't, couldn't even wait until uh, Monday. Okay. Went, went ahead and fired him yesterday. Now there, there will be speculation from everyone on because he lost the, or because he chose to win the game, his coaching decisions, he chose to win. He chose to go out and play to win, which is what you're supposed to do. If that what's, if that is what got him fired. Um, I just think that the Texans are a terrible organization. I'm not, I'm not even going to hold back. I, I cannot stand them. And when they continue to make choices like they did, and this is a choice that they made, um, they fired, uh, Cully last year after one season, he was going to be a stand-in. Uh, and then you went ahead and fired Lovey Smith, who I think the team was playing hard for. Uh, there were a couple games that they shouldn't have even been in this year, but they're fighting hard for him. He, the turmoil, not even the turmoil, just the, the crap that he had to go through on that team where your one of your captains refuses that he wants to play. So you strip him of captain, you know, his, his captain position. I don't know. I, there's a lot of things I can say on it. I could, put it in a bunch of different directions, which I think maybe you guys, if you guys are going to, um, I, I think it's completely justified. I, I really do at this point. Um, but, uh, I'll just pass it on over to you, to, to you guys for that. I'm, I'm obviously like really upset with that. And especially the, the Instagram posts that they made after firing him, thanking him. And I'm just like, God, that just really upset me. Yeah. It's, it's emblematic of a system that, we talk about a lot, obviously I know I get a lot of this because of my profession and the things that I do. Um, I think that it's emblematic that it's always happening to be a black head coach that is given this fill-in position, put into a situation where they're not giving me 
proper implements to succeed and then are subsequently cut quickly. Um, we see that happening, one, with what happened with Steve Wilkes when he was in Arizona and what looks like it's about to happen to him again in Carolina. Um, an unsuccessful coach comes in and then he is asked to fill in. Players love them. They are champions of the locker room. And yet we will meet an unfortunate demise to their career because of the fact that they're, they've been brought in to clean things up and then will be subsequently scapegoated in order for the owner to bring in whoever buddy-buddy person that they want to bring in. Um, it's, it's frustrating. It's disheartening. It's disgusting. And at the end of the day, nothing will – no real progress will, will come about of this. Uh, I know that there's speculation and reports that D'Amico Ryan has got all these. We're going to see a, a lot of parading in the next few weeks. Um, this is, a, you know, often called Bloody Monday in the NFL. There are four other vacancies currently that are going to be filled for. And before we even hear any sort of like tangible interview request, you already hear, oh, everyone's talking to Jim Harbaugh. Everyone's talking to Jim Harbaugh. Okay, where's the, where are the other coaches? Where are the coaches that have been showing out and showing up in the NFL who are now after all the noise gets put onto Jim Harbaugh. Now we can, Oh, we're going to interview D'Amico Ryans. We're going to interview um, Raheem, uh, Raheem Morris. We're going to interview the, I can't pronounce his name for the life of me, the defensive coordinator for Philadelphia, but will they actually be fair shots? You know, one of the Panthers are bringing around one of the favorite rumor rule scapegoats um, who let me make this clear. I would love to have as my head coach, Jim Caldwell. It's just I have a feeling it's going to be an, another unfortunate realization that at the end of the day, as much progress or much things you want to put into effect, it's going to end up being the same result until there's drastic change at the very top of the league. Yeah, it's an unfortunate uh, cyclical conversation that, that we seem to be having around this yet again. Um, well, uh, the article I shared last time we, we talked about this from the Washington Post, I mean, this is just some more data to add to the stats that they were talking about with coaches coming in and, and really not getting a fair shake. And I think it's just, it's, I mean, you guys have said it. It's not a good look. It's gross. It's unbecoming of an organization that swears to do so well by um, communities and yet um, they aren't able to moderate their own staff into choosing people that are arguably better for the position than um, the folks who end up making it a coaching carousel. I wanted to see if there's a way we could possibly spin this in a more positive light and see which of one of like which one of these five teams, if you were a head coach, which one of these five teams being the Panthers, the Colts, the Arizona Cardinals, the Denver Broncos, and the Houston Texans. Which one of these teams, if you were a candidate and you had the you had the pick of the litter, which team would you want to go to and why? I mean, I personally, I would stay away from Houston only because they've shown it, this is bigger than just the Lovey Smith thing. They've shown that they aren't just a well-run organization, and I don't know if I'm getting my first head coaching position if that's the place I'd want to go. I think everyone has that mindset. I could turn them around. I could turn them around. But you can only do so much when you are the head coach and not not have complete control. And I'm not saying you should have complete control because I think there needs to be a bridge between that and the front office. So I would look at whoever has the best pieces around them. Immediately, I would say 
I want Denver because I love that defense. And I think they have all the offensive pieces, but I just don't trust Russell Wilson enough to hitch. If I'm an established coach already, I think that to me might be the best spot because I have a lot. Yeah, you don't have a ton of draft picks, but I think you have enough there that you can win without some first round picks and at least show progress that people might want to come there because you've already seen in the past free agents will come to Denver and play there. So I think that to me is a a lucrative spot uh, to go play um, just based off of the ones that we have currently as of this podcast. Um, But I mean, if, uh, if oh boy and uh, for the chargers gets fired, you know, you know, that's the best place to go. So uh, I'm still going to keep that out there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, uh, Chargers, Chargers would be. Um, I'd go with with Carolina. Um, I think that's a it's a unique landing spot, and you have an owner that clearly just wants to win. Um, and if he's also willing to have conversations about the best way to do that with the head coach involving more people in the room, um, then I think that might be the the place. I want to go to a place that's uh, highly collaborative, uh, even if it's even if there's tough expectations. I think. The reason why Carolina would be an attractive place, this is not my actual, my actual thing, is that they have a young defense. They have a young defense with a lot of young stars that are really that are ready to develop. My pick would be Denver because they have the one thing that none of the order other quarter. Actually, no, I change it. I would go with Arizona because they have the the two things that you need offensively. You have a young quarterback under that's under contract. You also have a star wide receiver. Right, those things allow me to invest capital in other places where I don't need to invest um, where I would normally spend on a quarterback, right? You spend those high value draft picks to, to, to pick a quarterback. You've already got that secured. You have a dominant outside threat, although he's getting a little up there in age, he's still going to be dominant for about another two to three more years. And then on the other side of the ball, Buda Baker, you have Zay, you have Xavier uh, Collins, you have uh, Isaiah Simmons, you have a lot of young talent that can develop. So for me, I would take, Arizona. No, and just one last thing to to jump on what Mike was saying. I do think Carolina is also a, a really nice, good landing spot because of what Mike said, but and JP with the young defense. But also, you look at that division. Carolina or uh, almost everyone is rebuilding right now, and I don't think Tampa Bay's coming back. So coming in right away, you don't have the dominant team that you have to go through. Whereas Denver, like I said. Patrick Mahomes isn't going anywhere. Herbert's not going anywhere. If Raiders somehow can get their head out of their ass and, and figure something out, it, like that's a – it's a formidable de- or a conference. So uh, Carolina has, you know, some attractive – a lot of attractive things for it. And same for Arizona too with a rather formidable conference having established teams like – I think the 49ers are in their conference and uh, Seattle, right? Uh, who are definitely on a different trajectory than the rest of the uh, East teams we just discussed. Do we want to touch on Cliff? Speaking of coaches that were fired, I'm, I'm interested to hear if you guys had any perspectives. Like I said, I, I watched the HBO kind of midseason thing, so it was. Uh, I, I can't say I'm I'm shocked. He almost kind of knew if you if you watch it uh, that this was like this was it, and it wasn't coming together the way he needed it to. But um, I was seeing some some reporting that there's he has a history of late season collapses and he just doesn't seem to be able to get over that hump. And so taking a step back to offensive coordinator, um, since he noted he didn't want to return to 
um, the college level. What do you guys think about that? And where do you think is a good landing spot potentially for him and some uh, ideas? Well, I, I, I want to use this to loop to the argument that we talked about last week when the rumblings of Jim Harbaugh came through. I mean, you look at coaches since the year 2000, there has been one successful coach actually successful, the meaning more than, you know, five games above 500. And that's Jim Harbaugh, who went 44-19-1. Meanwhile, Urban Meyer, Matt Rule, Cliff Kingsbury, you know, Doug Marone, Greg Schiano, Bobby Petrino, Nick Saban, Steve Spurrier, Butch Davis, all losing records, and those with winning records are barely above 500 by a minuscule amount of games. So I think this is just emblematic of what I talk about. I'm tired of seeing coaches who, even some of these coaches who are, like you look at Nick Saban on this list, one of the greatest college coaches of all time. We need to stop trying to figure out that, you know, you can make the jump straight from college head coach straight into NFL head coach. You have to follow that system to, in order to uh, acclimate properly to the speed of the game, the complexity of the game, and the pl- complexity of personnel management at the new level. Because it's no longer people who you give them their bread and butter. Now, you're not the one cashing those checks. This isn't college. This isn't how this works. You're not the one signing off on who gets scholarships and who, who's not. You don't have the same amount of control over someone's life. So I think Kingsbury, while the offense did was never something that stood out to me and was spectacular, I don't know. Maybe finding an offensive coordinator position might help him readjust to the NFL. And maybe he's just a lifelong coordinator. And that's fine. But I don't think that he has the capabilities and the leadership skills based off of what I've seen so far from him in order to be an NFL head coach. Yeah, no, I, I think I think the smarter move for college coaches, because the track record is there no matter how good you think you are. I think the smarter move would be if you really aspire to be a head coach in the NFL, make that jump and I'm sorry, humble yourself and become a coordinator. Because the NFL has shown like go from I know it's I know it says a lot to go from head coach of a team, you know, in college where it, it revolves around you. Go to the NFL, humble yourself, learn the game a little bit. The NFL has shown that it will hire people after just one year of being successful. Teams will take a chance on you. So I do think it would be a smarter decision if a college coach is serious about wanting to be a head coach in the NFL. Go take a coordinator role for one year, two years. You, I, I really do think that uh, if you are good enough, some team will take a chance on you. There's seven to eight openings every single year. If you're really that good, I know some team will take a, a chance on you. So I think that to me is a smarter route. I think I don't know. I don't think a lot of people would do that because it kind of looks like a, a downgrade or a lateral step to them. So heading into our season recap. So. In, in episode one of season two, we went over our division winners and our Super Bowl picks. So I went through and listened to them today, and JP mentioned this yesterday he, about uh, in our in our group chat about wanting to go through and take a look at these. And my first immediate answer was, "Oh, I crushed it!" Because in my head, I thought I chose all these right people, but then looking back on it, man, we were all five hundred, if not below. So. Based off of the list that I showed you guys today, um, maybe choose one from each conference, if you guys have that picture pulled up, of who you thought was your, where you were off the most, or if you want to still defend one of your picks and why uh, you want to defend it. So uh, just real quick, maybe just either choose one that you're really proud of, or 
uh, maybe defend one. Uh, JP, let's start with you. All right, if I have to choose one, um, the one that I am just still completely mind boggled by was the Colts. I had that I. I had them just sweeping that division with no issues, but that offensive line fell apart, which caused Matt Ryan to fall apart, which caused such an issue with all of that, that Frank Wright is fired. Then it's just debacle after debacle after debacle after. You came in with someone who in almost every fantasy league was a number one pick in Jonathan Taylor. Nothing. Young defense, everyone's super excited about it. You go off and you sign Stephon Gilmore, kaput. So that was the one that I I just flat out was just wrong. I will say yeah, halfway, no. halfway through the season, I was almost right about Miami. You were. J, JP, just to touch on in uh, the Colts real quick because we all, we all chose them. What you highlighted in your pick uh, after listening to it today was, yeah, you talked about that defense and the addition of Gilmore. Um, and how excited you thought that they were going to be. And they were at the bottom, I think, one of the bottom teams in the league defensively. So I think that just goes to show, I don't know if it was Eberflus leaving or just the complete, uh, just, I don't know. I don't know what happened to the Colts this year. It all it was, around terrible. It was both. It was losing Eberflus. And then uh, Shaquille Leonard was hurt almost the entire season. Stefan Gilmore in and out of the huddle, you know, um, Yannick and Gakwe, not necessarily producing as, the, as they thought they would produce, um, with alongside of DeForest Buckner, who was also very quiet. Um, so it was just the scheme never matched because you had a new defensive coordinator, and then you couldn't match with health as well. On top of the fact that your offense couldn't hold on to the ball, so your defense was always on the field. Yeah, I'm I'm going to do the homer pick here. I chose Baltimore to win the AFC North, and I was. As close to right, I think, as can be. I don't think they're, uh, the way the season played out necessarily favored that, unfortunately. But um, that would have been my, my number one upset, too, looking at the rest of these picks. Um, man, I was, I was wiling out. That's, that was quite the episode. You really were. Just, just for some clarification to everyone who doesn't remember episode one, Mike made a very bold statement, and I'm going to put you on record on this again, that Mike said – quote unquote, if Baltimore doesn't win the AFC North, they need to blow it up and make changes in Baltimore. So, yeah, I mean, but let's be honest. I like, I've been true to that. I still think there needs to be an off- offensive coordinator change there. And I don't think that, I think that they had the opportunity to win the North and didn't win enough games in the regular season. Um, so I'm interested to see what they'll do uh, with the coming contracts for both Roquan Smith and, and Lamar Jackson. So I think that'll be interesting. And, um. Yeah, I mean, I do think there there needs to be some some serious consideration to for changes there. I don't think they can come back come back in next season and, and do the same thing over and expect a, a different result than they saw this year. What JP, do you what do you what do you got? What do you blow up like what, like one offensive coordinator change is not blowing it up? Like what what do you move for picks? Like do you ah uh, that's like no. I, look, if you're gonna look, blow it up, changing a coordinator is not blowing it up. I'm not going to let you constrain what I meant when I said blow it up. To me, making a change at offensive coordinator is different than um, is different for a team that tends to be slower to, to change coordinators. So, um, okay, I was just trying to get your right. definition of blowing up. We'll see. That's all. 
I mean, okay. hey, otherwise we're going to be here for a, for a long time. And, and I know Greg said keep it short. So uh, before, to, before tune in I, for the part six part six part podcast in a week. Yeah, before before I give my pick, I'll just say this, JP. Blow it up. You like you like chaos. Trade Lamar. Trade Lamar to to Miami. Trade him. Trade him. Get a just get a crap ton of picks. Just trade him. Uh, for me, uh, I'm going with a with a win. I was very strong about this, and I felt the most confident on any of my picks was that was the Minnesota Vikings winning the division. Um, they did. They did it ugly. Uh, although their record looks really good, my goodness, I think they were 12 and five, but still had a a negative point differential, which I don't. Last year they were on the opposite end of all the close games. This year they won all those close games. Teams do that every other year. Um, I, I don't know. I'm really excited about it. Justin Jefferson should win uh, Offensive Player of the Year. Dude is unreal, um, and he's doing that with Kirk Cousins. So I love it. I love that pick. And, uh, yeah, I think that one makes up for some of my other terrible picks like the Saints and the Rams and the Colts. So, All right, so for our Super Bowl pick predictions, at the beginning of the year I had Buffalo versus Tampa and I had Buffalo winning, so that is still – both scenarios are still alive. Uh, JP, you had the Rams versus Buffalo – so Buffalo could still make it, but your Rams, sadly, were not even close. And then, Mike, you just put Baltimore versus someone from the NFC, which congratulations for getting half of that right by default. Uh, thanks. Yeah, it was, it was tough. I, I don't I do not follow the NFC close enough to like make a good pick. And I just don't think I was able. Do to, you stand so by Baltimore being there, though? Do you stand by that pick? Well, I kind I mean, I kind of have to. It's still can technically happen but well yeah, I mean, you don't you don't have to they... you don't have to um actually you know what hold, hold that part we'll get into it when we talk about the playoff picture we'll talk about sure our, but i, I mean i'm not gonna what we have i understand and i understand what i've done to myself but i, I can't i can't change it that's no, no. hold it until next segment we'll, we'll, we'll get there i'll figuratively die on this hill um but no i i guess i'm not gonna adjust anything right now Baltimore versus everyone. No, um, we'll see. We'll see who, who comes in from the, the NFC. Let's look ahead, right? We talked about what our predictions were. We looked at the past. Let's look to the future. Let's talk about this weekend. So we have a really, really fun Super Wild Card weekend coming up ahead of us. Let's let's go through. We, we It's going to be an interesting one for sure to see how these matchups play because we have a lot of uncertainty when it comes to a lot of quarterbacks, who's going to play. Um, let's go with, there are a total of one, two, three, four, five, six games this weekend. Which matchups are you most excited to watch and which ones do you think are going to turn into a very ugly matchup really quickly? Um, yeah. Thanks for, for leading us in there, JP. I, I think we have some really great games coming up. Um, I think the one that I'm most excited for are the division, the division games. Um, we have, let's see, Seahawks and 49ers, Dolphins and Bills, Ravens and Bengals, uh, all being in the same division playing each other. So those are the games I'm really looking forward to. I think they'll all be a lot tighter than analysts predict, and they'll they'll all bring a little bit something different than uh, the other games. But could be could be good, could be bad. We'll see. 
there there are two games that stick out to me in, in each division, and both of them are, are the four or five. But I'll just touch on one in case JP is going to touch on uh, touch on one. I'm I'm interested in the Chargers and Jags. Um, Jags have really started to put it together towards the end of the year, and um, the the Jags. I don't know if I said that. The Jags have started to put it together towards the end of the year, winning that division to get in there. Um, and the way they won that division was, you know, on the scoop and score was just, was just great. And then making the, uh, the defensive stand against the Titans. So, and, and also beating the chargers on that path. Yes. And then now they're, now they're matched up again. And I think it, it excites me because the chargers minus some of the terrible decisions by their coach, uh, seem to be healthy about as healthy as they've been all season, hopefully at this moment, who knows if they're going to be Mike Williams and Bosa are going to be healthy come, come game time. But if they're healthy, I think that is the biggest, what if line from the chargers, the last like two or three seasons, Oh, wait till we're healthy. Oh man, they're dangerous, but they're always injured. Oh, they're, if they can come into this game, I think it could be um, a high scoring game. Just looking at the quarterbacks for the, the AFC to me. And I wrote them down because it just, the description, the discrepancy between the two uh, quarterbacks in the conference. So in the AFC, we have Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lawrence, Herbert, and then unfortunately, the two teams that are just kind of out there right now are the Dolphins. Who knows who's starting for them? And the Ravens. Who knows who's going to start for them? But hypothetically, if they were healthy, you would have all the people that I mentioned plus Tua and Lamar. Like talk about the young freaking talent. And then you think about it on the NFC side. You got Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, Brock Purdy, Geno Smith, Jalen Hurts, and Dak Prescott. Prescott, and I'm just like, put some respect on Jalen Hurts' name. Put some respect on that name. I will, but also no offense. Just looking at that paper, what what has he really done for the league so far? That like, I know he's having a great year, and you know he's starting to put it together. But I I'm not scared of any of those people on that NFC roster that I'm looking at. I think this is I think this is a, an age-old tale of roster construction, right? You look at how these other teams got into the end, got into the playoffs, right? You look at Dallas, you look at uh, you look at Tampa Bay, you look at well, Tampa Bay. I'm going to take the exception. You take you take a look at Minnesota. You take a look at the one that that rings true overall is San Francisco, right? Can you build a team with enough assets, enough weapons, enough star key players to make? big plays when it matters to overcome bad quarterback play, which is very difficult to do. But you look at all those teams and they have a game wrecker on either side of the ball. Minnesota, you have Justin Jefferson, right? In Tampa, you have that defensive, you have, you have Vita Vea, you have, uh, you have Devin White, you have uh, Carlton Davis on the outside. You look at San Francisco, the bevy of weapons. You look at Dallas, you have, you know, your defense, you have, Micah Parsons and, and Trayvon Diggs. It's all about the roster construction and can you design a team that is going to be able to play you out of a bad situation when your quarterback is not right. Meanwhile, you look at the other side, right? Look at what happens when a quarterback is missing for one of those teams, completely falls apart. Complete. The Ravens on the back half of the season, right? You look at the Dolphins who squeaked in. You, you look at any of these teams that, if, if there is something that is that their quarterback is not coming to play at the peak of their level, 
every time they come out there, it's all falling apart. So it's on how you build. And I think the only the only team that I really see that has enough on both sides of the ball to make a difference is Cincinnati. Their wide receivers are in, are the best wide receiving core in the NFL. And that defense is scary good. Now that Trey Hendrickson's back, now that Jesse Bates is, is healthy, that's the team that has the, the players to take them to the, to the next level. And that's what carried them to the Super Bowl last year. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with it at all. But just the reason why I put that when I put that down is because I always talk about, I mean, obviously the, the league is quarterback driven and obviously you need more than just a quarterback to win the Super Bowl. Like the only reason why people are giving uh, the 49ers a shot is because their entire team is constructed well. And they probably have the, I don't want to say the worst quarterback out of everyone, but he's a rookie and he was drafted last. I'm sorry, kind of for a reason, not to say he can't play, but there's a reason why he fell that well. But the rest of the team is is what is going to get them to the Super Bowl and win it if they do. He will make the right plays at the right moment, but they won't win it because of him, in my opinion. Like the defense will step up. McCaffrey will step up. Debo will. Someone else will make a play, but he will put them in a position. Um, so I don't know. I'm I'm really excited with, with the field. Um, and that's why I want to say Herbert because, I mean, everyone talks about the Lawrence's up and coming – Everyone in the AFC is, is there has established themselves. Now Lawrence and Herbert are on prime time, gonna in the playoffs, going against each other. Two, two up and coming stars. I don't know. I think I think it will be really fun. It's the battle of it's the battle of the two sunshines. From Remember the Titans, sunshine, <laughs> right? I I've struggled with this. I've struggled with this so much because I just want to know who's going to be playing quarterback for the Dolphins and who's going to be playing quarterbacks for the Ravens. Reports out of Baltimore are real iffy as to what's about to happen on Sat on Sunday. Lamar saying he yeah, might be able to go. People who have been watching him in, in in practice, they're not quite sure what the what the knee stability is going to be like. I, for me, the game that's going to provide the most fireworks and are going to be the most fun for me to watch is going to be the Seahawks and the Niners. the 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 book on Geno has been completely rewritten. They have a team that can run the ball effectively. They had good matchups between between the two of them throughout the regular season. And I think it's gonna it's gonna provide some spark. It's gonna be fun to watch. Plus, whatever the hell Shanahan is doing out there in with that offense is just it's fun to watch. It makes me jealous because, you know, it's like seeing that that person that you loved for so long go off and be happy with someone else. You're like, Christian. Christian, you could have been you could have been so happy if we would have made the right hire, but we didn't. But I think that's going to be the fun game to watch. It's going to have a little bit of that division spite, so it's going to bring bring the the most fun matchup for me. Okay, I, I asked this question a couple weeks, but now that we are here, I'm going to ask it again. Mike, please keep it short. If you're Lamar, are you playing this game now that you're in the playoffs? You've made it here. Are you playing? The short answer is yes. Um, I think it's it's playoffs, and you're in a contract here. The reality is, if he if he's able to, he's gonna play. Same thing with Tua, right? If the doctors clear him come Wednesday, he's gonna play. And it, it's that warrior mentality. It's the gladiator. It's a gladiator sport for that reason. So, now hypothetically, if both of them go out and play, hypothetically, I know it's a terrible thing to say, but if they both get hurt again, 
then is it fair for people? I, sh- I don't want to say fair. Fair is very subjective. Could you then argue you should have just sat out and went till next year? You weren't going to go far enough in the playoffs or whatever. Like, can't, I, you can't play both sides of it. So I guess you have to just choose play or not to play. Yeah, I mean, people will find fault with whatever decision is made if the opposite happens anyway. So if he goes out there and throws for 500 yards and like everyone will be like, oh, good thing he played. But to your point, if he goes out there and, and gets hurt again, people would ask the same questions. And I think it rings true for, for both teams. And this is the risk that they have to take. And this is when the chips are on the table. Like, <laughs> this is it. Like, you don't have, they don't have the luxury, unfortunately, of sitting out like a regular season game because it's winner go home at this point. And if they go home, then that's a cap of a disappointing season for some, or uh, you're just getting through the season for others. And so it really, I think that there's a little bit of a difference for the, in the, the two, in the sense that um, Lamar's injury is pretty localized to, to his, his knee. And that's really been a, a, a persistent issue, but he just hasn't practiced in a month versus I think the wider array of issues uh, facing Tua. Uh, so I'm, I'm more concerned about him coming back and playing than I would be about Lamar, despite Lamar not having practice in a month, only because of the type and uh, number of injuries that they've had respectively this this season. So I, I fear for both of them and all players on the field, and I just hope that we have a good, clean clean weekend of, of football. Yeah, that real quickly, it just depends on the injury. If Lamar you know suffers a full tear or if Tua gets another concussion, no, it's not worth it, obviously, but we can only say that with hindsight. So I think Truly, if they're if they are medically cleared to play, both of these players will play. And I don't think, I think the only case that it shouldn't be is for Tua because if he gets another concussion, it's a wrap. Yeah, no, I, I think it's fair. I I hate that I had asked that question just because you know how everyone is going to be. You should have played. You should, if you're healthy, you should have played. If or once What's you get your hurt, opinion oh, on you it? shouldn't have played. Uh, my opinion is. I, you know, I said it a couple weeks ago at this point, I'm just going to stay with it. I don't think Ravens have enough to actually win the Super Bowl, And because it's a knee and it's Lamar, I I'm, I'm sitting out too much is at stake. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting out. Although I do think they have a a really good shot of beating the Bengals with Lamar. Um, just sit out, just, just play for next year. Okay. So. Now we have, I hate to use this word again, but I'm going to call it a snub, a playoff snub. So there were teams, there were a couple different scenarios leading into uh, this week's games where if certain teams won, uh, knock someone out, or if this team won, it helped another team. Who was your guys's, um, and I use, I use snub very loosely. So who was your guys's team that didn't make it, but was right there and you thought the playoffs might've been to use JP's word of uh, 2023 so far, chaos. The team I think that got snubbed that should be in the playoffs is the Detroit Lions. I I love everything that that team has come out with this year. Watching Hard Knocks at the beginning of the season really got really it reinvigorated me because for a while I had really been away from Hard Knocks because I had just gotten really boring. But the ability for Dan Campbell to be more than just cliche and be more than just words and and everything that he said and all the, the hype that he's gotten has been because he shows an actual genuine love for his players and has been able to back everything up with action. And I love it. Jamal Williams, he is eccentric. He is hilarious. He is not ashamed to be who he is. And one of the great parts about that, 
that team is that Aaron Glenn, who is the defensive coordinator, uh, and their linebackers coach both held press conferences, and they said something along the same lines of, we saw that in other places there had been coaches who tried to stifle his quote-unquote weirdness, and he realized that was making Jamal a worse player. So the ability for them to create a culture and an environment to embrace who he really is, this year he goes out and he breaks Barry Sanders' Lions touchdowns record. And I love to see it. So I think the team that got snubbed was the Detroit Lions. Um, I don't think I, I don't think anyone got snubbed personally. I think it it the math all plays out and you have to beat who's in front of you every game of the season. That's why people say, you know, any given Sunday, because those at the end of the season those out of conference or early season losses will come back and bite you. And it almost did for, um, uh, for Cincinnati, had they not um, won a few more games um, and vice versa, had other teams won, won a few more games, we'd see, we'd be seeing a different outcome. So I can't really say that uh, there was a, a snub, but I think the way it shook out teams, not being able to make playoffs because of something out of their control is always a little unfortunate, but. Okay. Well, Mike, this, this is where I'm going to say don't get so hung up on the word s- snub and just what what fringe team didn't didn't make the playoff that you were like, oh, should have. Maybe they got eliminated because another team won where they th- that team still handled their business, but because another team won, you know, it knocked them out. So, like, that's why I said I don't want to use the word I snub see. like that. But The, the Stillers. Know. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers are the ones that, that popped to mind immediately. I mean, they somehow miraculously have not had a losing season under Mike Tomlin. And this if this if it was going to happen, it was going to be this year, and yet it didn't. Um, so I, I think they played their hard outs. And as much as I bemoan giving them compliments, I have to say it's them. Shout out yeah. to Mike Tomlin for that. That's insane. 16 what a, what a straight coach. years. Yeah. Un- unbelievable. Um, okay, but JP, and a brother I'm can't get an interview. Like, come on, uh, JP. I'm I'm gonna piggyback off of what you said, and only because I mean, along with everything that you said, tell me what team would in the NFC would want to face the Lions? Because at this point, I'm sorry, you were playing with house money, just like they were last night. Like you went into Green Bay, into Green Bay, going into the game already knowing you're done. There's truly nothing to play for except ruining someone else's season, a division rival. So now you're going into the playoffs where nobody thought you would even make it this far. What, what was their win loss over and under for the season to start? Maybe like what, five games if that. And here they are nine and eight, you know, like what, what a turnaround. I don't think any team, I don't care who you are would want to see, uh, Detroit, because I think their offense gives you enough fits that it will keep you in the game as bad as their defense is. Their defense will give you 40 points a game, but it's one of those teams where it's like you, this sounds so weird, but it's kind of like you kind of have to play perfect against the the Lions because they will pull out any trick in their bag. You saw the, the um, hook and ladder uh, on second and 17. I mean, they'll do stuff like that. And you're just like, oh crap. Like, how it's the fourth quarter. How are we still in it with the seventh seed or the, you know what I mean? So I think that would have been a scary team to, to watch. And maybe they beat Minnesota again, if, if they were there or um, I don't know, man, I think they would have got the giants and bucks and they would have gave Dallas a hard time too. So 
it would have been fun. All right, so to finish off the 2023 playoff uh, picture, that since since it's all set, who are you guys going with uh, for the Super Bowl matchup? I think I'm not going with what I have at the beginning of the season, um, but I will take credit for it if that happens to be the matchup, but I'm changing it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm going to get the best of both worlds. I'm going Niners, Chiefs, and I'm going to say Niners win. If we get to keep keep credit, I might I then might creep away from my, my early season take with a fifty percent hedge. Um, so I, I think I'm gonna go as long as I can still claim credit uh, and say I think the Bills from the AFC are gonna be the team that that comes out of there, and I think it's gonna be oh, this is kind of difficult, but I really think that division games are a doozy, and I think it's gonna be the Seahawks uh, out of the NFC, and I'm gonna say. Uh, Bills over Seahawks and <laughs> yo okay but, I'm sorry I'm gonna laugh at that one but I'm also gonna say you surprised the hell out of us uh, by saying the Giants were gonna be great but I, I I cannot agree with you on this one what part of it though the Seahawks all of it what why not the Seahawks like what what they would have to other than other other than just saying the Niners have a good defense. Well, they have to go on the road and beat, but it would be the Niners. You would have to beat whoever comes out of the Giants. So you have to beat the Niners, potentially the Vikings, and then the Eagles, all on the road to then get to get to the Super Bowl. I just I think that's just it's I not. Mean, if I'm looking, tell me that you're, if you're telling me that's never been done, right it's now. improbable, not impossible, highly improbable. Yeah, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm I'm not going to say that there's a 0% chance of it happening. Happening, But if if you were to put them up, up against any of those teams on the board right now, the only one I am truly confident that they would beat would be the Giants. Everyone else, I would be like, in the playoffs, I'm, I might be going the other side. Okay. So that, that's my only hesitation. I mean – that that's it. Uh, no, and that's that's fine. I did admit earlier I, ha- I haven't watched the NFC worth anything this year, so this is just this is my one chance to to make a make another splash, and I think I'll just go with that. So so then again, I will say this: Mike always talks a big game about AFC NFC, but he just admits he doesn't even watch the NFC. So like, how do you know well, the true I'm talking, competition I'm talking this season? I'm just I'm saying. I'm just saying. I'm so I don't want to hear anything about the NFC if you're not even watching them. You're t- okay. Sure. Hey, I make an effort to watch both conferences, just saying. Mainly because no, I only I, watch I, Red Zone. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just saying. Like, I don't – I haven't watched enough NFC – like, NFC, whatever. Just – I, th- I, I get what you're saying. He thinks this is the Legion of Boom Seahawks still. <laughs> yeah, same team. Oh, yeah, be careful. <laughs> Who I'm going with, I'm going to take the Chiefs and I'm going to take the Eagles – I think I have the Chiefs winning 34-31 in the Super Bowl. That's my prediction. All right, we'll revisit this in in, in one month. month. So, primetime pickums has officially come to an end for our regular season. Um, it came down to the wire. It came down to, to one game separating the champion, the regular season champion, and the other two competitors. So it went down to 36 points for both Mike and I, tying for second place. And Greg, 
eking out, like the Dolphins squeaking into the playoffs with 37 points, our regular season champion. Congratulations, sir. You're welcome. I mean, at this point, it's. I didn't just say. I didn't say. So I asked for. I, I didn't ask for. I didn't ask for a speech. No one asked. I'm for a just speech. tired of winning. Anyways, you know, as, we're gonna move on. Camp, we're gonna move on so to our playoff pickums. So we're I gonna just move wish forward. I had competition. So thank you guys. We're gonna, I love you for still being my friend. We're gonna move forward. Thank you. I love <laughs> you. Four time champ. We're gonna move forward into our playoff pickums. We're changing our primetime pickums into a playoff pickums. Boys, let's get this thing on the road. Let's start with our Saturday matchups. We have, as mentioned earlier, in the early slot, Seahawks at Niners. Mike, who you got? Um, I have the Niners taking over. Uh, Seahawks. <laughs> all right, he's got the Seahawks down. Greg, who you got? Uh, also, I'll allow you calling me Greg, even though my name is clearly League Champ in the chat here. Um, I'm going with the Niners. We got Greg for the Niners. I'm also going to take the Niners as well. Um, let's go to our Sunshine matchup. We have tall, long, white boy with, with flowing hair versus tall, long, white boy with flowing hair. We have Chargers versus Jags in Jacksonville. Greg, who you got? I'm going with, because the injury report says everyone is healthy and active right now, I'm going with the Chargers. But if I knew, if Mike Williams doesn't play, I'd go Jags, but I have to go with what it is now, and I'm saying Chargers. Mike, who you got? Uh, I'm taking the Jaguars here. Ooh, I like that, because you know what? I'm also taking the Jags. I think that it's just, there's something brewing in Jacksonville. something weird. It's a weird group of people that live in the city of Jacksonville, so... It only fits that something weird would happen. Don't come at Aaron like that. You like him. He's nice. Hey, you can be weird and nice. Look at Jamal Adams. Uh, not Jamal Adams. I you going to say, look at me, and I was about to fly out to St. Louis. and Not, not do a damn thing. Anyways, yeah. let's move forward to Sunday. We have our early matchup. We have at the 12 o'clock window, we have the Dolphins swimming up to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Greg, who you got? Buffalo huge. Just going to roll them. Mike? Also going with the Bills here. I'm going to change things up. Two of plays. Comes from behind. little magic. little sauce. little sauce on everything. Upset the Bills at home. Yeah, what's up? You got something to say, Greg? No, nah, I'm just kidding. I'm taking the Bills. The Bills are going to blow them out by a billion. Um, that there you go. Is, I, I, really I was waiting for it because I knew, JP, I'm sorry. I, I love you, and there's no way that you would have you would have said that. There's no way. I will say, if Tua does play, the game will be a lot closer. It won't be a blowout. No, I – I agree. If Tua was healthy and didn't have the in, the concussions like he did, I think you truly probably would have chosen Miami. Absolutely. The 3 o'clock slate, or the 3 o'clock central time. Sorry, we have so many different time zones on this phone call right now. Um, we have the Giants traveling up north to the Vikings. Mike, who you got? Uh, I'm going to stick with my guys here. I'm going to go with the Giants. Uh, I think that Minnesota's... Um, the errors of their ways are going to catch up to them a bit here, and I, I just don't think that they're going to be able to claw their way out this time. Uh, super close game, and I'm going with um, I'm going to go with the Vikings. Oh. I'm going to take the Vikings as well. I, I just think that the quarterback is going to be a problem for the Giants. So I think that the Vikings end up taking it. I don't think that they have anyone on that defense that can stop Justin Jefferson, to be quite honest. Let's head to our evening matchup. We have... 
Um, the Ravens at the Bengals. Mike, who you got? Um, I have the Ravens here. I think I do think Lamar Jackson plays, um, and I think that the Ravens uh, win small again. Greg, who you got? I'm going Bengals. Bengals win. I don't know who I don't know who's playing for the Ravens, but even if Lamar does play, I think Bengals are just better. You know what? I, I think this one is a it's a real coin toss for me, a real flip of the coin to figure out who's going to win this one. So sads. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, it's not. The Ravens don't have a chance in this game. I truly believe that. Even if Lamar plays, they're down to like their skivvies at the wide receiver room. So there ain't no one out there catching the ball. Uh, I got the I got the Bengals by ten. And finally, our Monday night game. We have Dallas traveling to the swamps of Tampa to take on the Bucks. Tom Brady potentially in his last season. We never know. Um, Mike, who you got? I'm gonna go Bucks here. I think Cowboys choke. I don't like either one of these games. I it truly is. I know you were just j- joking about it, JP. I think it truly is a toss up. But I'm gonna go. Tampa Bay. Ooh, see, I think that Tampa Bay's offense is the, their offensive line is not going to be able to control that that defensive line in Dallas. I think it's a close game. What defensive line. Oh, please, Micah Parsons is is an MVP, is a defensive player of the year candidate. Since when? Where the hell has he been lately? He's been everywhere. He's the only reason why they have stayed in games. Yeah, is that why they lost twenty six to six the other day? That was because someone, Dak Prescott, decided to throw pick sixes for some reason. Um, all right, whatever, whatever. whatever, I mean, when, whatever. when the offense scores 14 points for the other team, it's kind of it's kind of hard to keep up, right? Um, I think I think the defense holds. I think that there's too many issues with with the Tampa Bay Bucks offense right now. It'll be close, but I got Dallas taking it by uh, by three. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We always appreciate it. Um, please like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Not only do your reviews mean so much to us, we love reading them, we love listening to them, we love engaging with our fans. It helps us get found. We really appreciate all the effort you guys put into listening listening to us. Um, and I have to say thank you so much, Greg and JP, for another great regular season of Not Another Football Podcast. I greatly appreciate working with you guys. Um, you are uh, the best co-hosts, I think, uh, in podcast uh, history. And so I just really appreciate you guys and um, love the fun that we have together and looking forward to uh, playoffs and next season. So uh, for everyone else, tune in next Thursday for another episode of not another football, another, excuse me, another special playoff episode of not another football podcast. We'll see you then. I love being your guys' superior. Oh my God. Uh, this again.